0: This is If I Were You, a podcast and blog series about the antitrust risks facing companies large and small, and in five bullets or less, how in-house lawyers can explain the risk to their business teams. I'm Molly Donovan, your host. I'm a partner at Bona Law. We are an antitrust boutique. A while back, I did an episode about competition law in the cannabis industry, and I provided five antitrust hotspots for cannabis companies to be mindful of. Today we're going to talk about two new developments in this industry that I wanted to bring to the attention of in-house cannabis lawyers or their business people. And here's the first one, false advertising. A class action was filed in California state court on behalf of California consumers against two companies that produce Jeter branded cannabis products. Those products include essentially pre-rolled joints that are smoked out of the box, like a cigarette pack, and they're advertised in California as having a 35% THC content. In California, the Department of Cannabis Control requires products to be properly labeled and to include the amount of THC. There is an acceptable 10% margin of error when advertising THC content in consumer products, but the Jeter products allegedly tested at well below that allowable margin. So the plaintiffs are alleging a violation of California's false advertising law and California's Consumer Legal Remedies Act. Now, both of those statutes get at misrepresenting goods for purposes of advertising. The plaintiffs are also alleging common law negligent and intentional misrepresentation. And and here's the antitrust piece, violations of California's unfair competition law. Now, that statute allows consumers to sue for unlawful Fraudulent and unfair conduct that somehow harms competition. For anyone who's unfamiliar with that statute in California, in many ways, it's broader than the Sherman Act and also broader than California's antitrust statute called the Cartwright Act. We saw this, for example, in the Epic versus Apple case where Epic could not make out an antitrust claim but did get Apple's anti-steering provision struck down under the unfair competition law statute as an incipient or threatened antitrust violation. There's lots of litigation under the unfair competition law of California, and it can be a useful tool for plaintiffs whose claims don't neatly fit within the box of another statutory or common law cause of action, but the conduct is disruptive to marketplace competition. So in this cannabis case, for example, the plaintiffs alleged that they paid too much for Jeter products because consumers thought they were paying for a premium level of THC when in fact they didn't get as much THC as they thought they were getting because of the false advertising. This is not a new concept. False advertising is often used as a hook for an unfair competition law claim because false advertising can result in disrupted competition. The theory is that it's unfair vis-a-vis your competitors to mislabel or misadvertise products, and it's unfair vis-a-vis consumers who end up paying more than they should have. No, monetary damages aren't available under California's unfair competition law, but restitution is. And I think that's the takeaway here for cannabis companies. Mislabeling and false advertising can get you into hot water on their own, but they can also lead to competition-based causes of action as well. I also wanna add though, it's not alleged in the Jeter class action. If two competitors got together and jointly decided to mislabel or make misrepresentations in advertising, then you'd also have a section one antitrust claim. Same result if you have a supplier and a distributor collude to misrepresent the nature of a product or its contents, then you have a section one antitrust claim there as well. And then of course you're in trouble damages territory. Development number two in the cannabis industry foreclosing competition by preventing emerging competitors from accessing the necessities of doing business. Now, we flagged this concern as a cannabis hotspot in our last episode, where we told you about a jury award of $5 million to a California dispensary that alleged its competitors had blocked it from accessing scarce commercial property that was zoned for medical cannabis distribution the damages were trebled to 15 million for conduct like making landlords sign non-competes in their commercial leases so that the plaintiff could not get a lease. Well now there's a new litigation in Massachusetts with very similar allegations. There the plaintiff is a small dispensary company that is trying to open a retail cannabis location in Tingsboro, Massachusetts. The plaintiff says that it sought the appropriate land use approval and other permits or licenses required by state regulators, but defendants, the incumbents alleged to have a large local and national presence and a monopoly within Ting'sboro specifically, the defendants have allegedly conspired to foreclose competition in the local market through sham petitions and objections to the land use and permitting approvals. Additionally, there's an allegation that one defendant acquired another defendant, and as part of their M&A agreement, um, there's a condition of millions of dollars worth of consideration on their collective ability to prevent plaintiff's retail facility from opening for a period of two and a half years. Naturally, plaintiffs brought Section 1 and 2 Sherman Act claims, as well as a claim under the Massachusetts unfair competition law and other common law causes of action. Surely, defendants will have some defenses, and we'll watch this play out in Massachusetts. But the takeaway for those of you in the industry is that this kind of conduct leads to investigations and litigations, even if you think what you're doing is immune from antitrust liability. So it's best to understand the risks and mitigate them as possible on the front end. I have one other takeaway. The Massachusetts case reminds us that monopoly power is defined in part by geography. So if you're relatively small in terms of size or revenue, but you are the dominant cannabis company in a local market with no real competition, you could potentially be treated as a monopolist. So before doing something potentially anti-competitive like exclusive agreements or dictating who can or cannot join a local trade association or objecting to land use or other necessary permits for doing business, think through the antitrust consequences carefully. That's the end of this episode. I'm Molly, and thanks to everyone for listening.